Welcome friends and neighbors, good government listeners, political junkies, and people just checking us out. This is, drumroll Mark, back to the battle for NC-11. No longer the battle for NC-14. The maps creating the congressional districts have been finally approved with an asterisk. Uh, and after going back and forth, and I'll talk a little bit more about the process when I can, uh, the maps have been solidified and a new old North Carolina 11 has been created. The filing for office has started. Uh, this is Wednesday night, so we've had a number of folks already file with two days left, again, with an asterisk. Uh, but I'm your host, Bob Orr, the old retired judge and lifelong resident of Western North Carolina. And I'm also a budding podcaster, but you know, I've been lax here for the last couple of weeks. And for good reason, I was involved as special master appointed along with two colleagues by the three-judge panel reviewing the maps in the redistricting litigation. I can't talk about that because actually it's not completely over. But because of that and, you know, the amount of time consumed by it, I just simply haven't been able to get around to doing a podcast so we're going to do a reset here over the course of the next couple of weeks. Hopefully everything will be finalized. The candidates will be in, some will be out, and we will get this thing cranking because it's going to be one heck of an election cycle. So my guest today is going to be one of our regulars, uh, Dr. Chris Cooper, the Madison Distinguished Professor and Director of the Public Policy Institute at Western Carolina University in Jackson County in the heart of the 11th District in the lovely town of Cullowee. Dr. Cooper, as I keep saying, is one of the leading experts on politics in North Carolina and particularly the politics of Western North Carolina. So let me give you just a quick roundup here of what I know. The big news, which hopefully anybody listening to this podcast already knows, is that the prodigal son of the 11th District, Congressman Madison Cawthorn, has returned. As you may remember when we started this podcast, Madison Cawthorn, the incumbent in the 11th Congressional District, was anticipated to run for re-election in the 11th. Then redistricting took place, and lo and behold, the 11th became the 14th, and Madison Cawthorn decided, hmm, there are greener pastures east of this district. I'm going to go to the newly created 13th Congressional District, and that's where I'm going to run. Well, this threw the race into a tizzy. New people jumped in. Josh Remillard, who was a Democrat running in the 11th with the expressed purpose of defeating Madison Cawthorn, said, heck, if he's going to the 13th, I'm following him there. 
So fast forward, we go through more redistricting litigation, and lo and behold, last week, a new map is out. The 14th is back to the 11th. Some slight geographical changes. Mitchell, Avery, and Watauga County are no longer in the district, and the new counties are Polk, McDowell, and a little bit of Rutherford, not unlike the district as it was originally constituted. So, Madison Cawthorn, having found that the greener pastures east of the 11th were no longer green and, in fact, was occupied by powerful Republican incumbent Patrick McHenry, had a change of heart and disregarding Thomas Wolfe's commentary that you can't go home again, decided he was coming home. Now, we'll talk about this with Dr. Cooper, who's filed, what the interesting dynamics are in the context of the Republican primary. It looks like virtually everybody is in. On the Democratic side, it appears there may be some getting out. At this moment, Eric Gash of Henderson County Educator, former UNC football player, pastor, has not filed, and there is some indication that he will withdraw from the race. There's a question about whether Jay Carey will continue in the race. He hasn't filed. And the big news, or part of the big news, is what's Josh Remillard going to do? He followed Cawthorn to the 13th, will he follow Cawthorn back to the 11th? How does that play? Does he decide to run for something else? You know, this, as I said in the very first podcast, has more plot lines, more characters, more twists and turns than Murder on the Orient Express. You got to be a Hercule Poirot fan to get that commentary, or an Agatha Christie fan, I guess, since she wrote it. But the race, the battle for NC-11 is going to be really exciting. Now, let's get to that asterisk. After the redistricting decision was handed down by the three-judge panel and the Supreme Court of North Carolina denied the legislature's attempt to enjoin the enactment of that act, the leadership of the General Assembly, the Republican leadership, petitioned the United States Supreme Court to throw out the map we're now operating under and to reinstate the redone map that the legislature had done. All the briefing is in. It's initially in the hands of Chief Justice John Roberts, and I anticipate that we will find out something fairly soon as to whether the Supreme Court wants anything to do with this or not. The second wild card is, as you may know, a challenge was initially filed against the candidacy of Madison Cawthorn based upon an allegation that he was in violation of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, 
which disqualifies from public office anyone who has taken the oath to support the Constitution of the United States and then engaged in or aided and supported an insurrection or rebellion against those constitutional authorities. But the changing districts, that challenge was no longer valid. But just today, a new challenge has been filed here in the 11th district, and we'll see what happens there. Cawthorn has filed a lawsuit in federal court suing the State Board of Elections, saying, you can't do that to me. The federal judge handling the case has set a hearing for this Friday on the request by Mr. Cawthorn to put a halt to these scandalous efforts at the uh, Board of Elections by the challengers. We'll see what the federal court does. So, you can see, this is a wild and crazy environment that we're operating in, and that's just here in the Congressional District. So, let's get on to our special guest, our favorite commentator, Dr. Chris Cooper. Here we go. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back Dr. Chris Cooper of Western Carolina, the Robert Lee Madison Distinguished Professor of Political Science and Public Affairs and resident expert in the now 11th district <laughs> uh, on, on the congressional race and all of the personalities uh, involved. Chris, when we first talked back in November, it was the 11th district and we were anticipating a Madison Cawthorn, Jasmine Beach Ferrara general election. Last time we talked, which really wasn't that long ago, no. <laughs> it, was the, it was the 14th district. That's right. And Madison Cawthorn was nowhere to be seen, and who knew what was going to happen? And now, three weeks later, everything has changed. It's Groundhog Day all over again. So let's start by talking about the maps in the district. Sure. Tell us from your perspective how we got there. So, boy, that's a big question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how did we get here? I mean, I guess maybe we'll, we'll sort of... All right, so we had maps that went back and forth. We have been, as you mentioned, the 11th. We've been the 14th. We have had a district that looks kind of similar to the one we had before. We've had a district that reached all the way up into Watauga County, except for a very small part of it, right? We've, we've had about every iteration possible. What we've ended up with after the courts have weighed in and the General Assembly's weighed in and really everybody's weighed in at this point. Except the U.S. Supreme Except Court US that Supreme. we're waiting That's for. Right. Yeah. That, that's right. Yeah. Maybe we'll close yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what we've got is a district that looks, frankly, pretty similar to the one that we had last time. So this is a kind of a familiar looking district. It includes, you know, if you kind of drew a line down at Western North Carolina, broadly defined, and try to keep population equality, this is probably about what folks would come up with. And so this is around, depends on the metric, but around an R plus 10 district. In other words, I took all the statewide elections from 2020, added them all together, Democrats and Republicans, and it looks like this one would favor the Republican Party on average by about 10 percentage points. Which, for the last 20, 30 years, that's essentially 
been the way it is, I guess. That's right. I mean, yeah. for a while it was more Democrat friendly, you know, um, but that's really when the parties were very, very different, right? So when we were elected by Heath Schuler, we were the most competitive district in the state. Um, we then went to the most Republican district in the state when Mark Meadows took over for a while. Then we were kind of somewhere in the middle. Now we are R plus 10. It's about the, you know, it's somewhere near the middle of the pack in terms of district partisanship in North Carolina. Well, we're midway through the filing period. You and I are talking uh, here on Wednesday. Uh, hopefully this will be posted on Thursday. Filing arguably closes on Friday. We've had, you know, the big announcement that Madison Cawthorn is back. He's, he's coming home despite Thomas Wolfe's admonition that you can't go home again. Uh, that's right. <laughs> His love for the eleventh uh, is is now blossoming. Uh, so, give us a rundown on on the candidates on the Republican side that have filed and uh, any surprises or uh, expected uh, individuals not filing mm-hmm. in this race. Yeah. So we've got. A, a big old list on the Republican side. So I'll just kind of start at the top here. We've got Bruce O'Connell has uh, filed. So he's the, the, of course, the owner of Pisgah Inn. This is somebody who has a lot of money, um, but has not raised a lot of money. In other words, he's sort of given his campaign, loaned his campaign large sums. Winnie Navarez, who's the sort of centrist candidate in this race, um, Hasn't been quite as successful on the fundraising front, but has definitely been there from the beginning, kind of swinging away from it every iteration of this district. Um, Rod Honeycutt uh, joined a little bit after Wendy Navarez, but has been in for a while. Here's somebody who's kind of playing off of his foreign policy credentials. Um, Matthew Burrell um, is in after a brief little uh, uh, filing mistake where he accidentally filed for the 14th, but we'll, we'll forgive him for that. It's confusing. Yeah, the number uh, situation the number was situation crazy. It's all over the <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah. Um, but he's in. And then you've got the three folks that I think are, are the ones that are getting fairly or unfairly the most media attention. I'll, I'll end with Cawthorn. But um, Chuck Edwards. So Chuck Edwards is a sitting state senator from Henderson County, which is exactly where Madison Cawthorn is from. Um, Edwards has picked up you know, really a host of endorsements from some pretty influential people in the region, including former state Senator Jim Davis and a number of other sitting members of the General Assembly. We also have Michelle Woodhouse, who's a really interesting candidate. Here's somebody who... You said, I thought you were going to say character. Well, then, I, I, they're you, both you true, right? Yeah, she's, right. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, she's she's made for this, this modern era of politics. And so she... Um, Sort of first, she was the 11th Congressional District Republican chair. She received some money from Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn donated some money to the Michelle V. Woodhouse campaign twice before she announced. Madison Cawthorn announced he was leaving. Michelle Woodhouse announced she was going to be in. Everybody figured, well, these two are tied together. Well, now that Madison Cawthorn's back, I think we all kind of wondered, what is Michelle Woodhouse going to do? She's aligned with Madison Cawthorn. But she clearly wants to be in this race. And the answer is she is staying in this race unequivocally. Um, I think they are singing it from the rooftops that she is in this campaign. Uh, I think she put out a statement uh, calling Madison Cawthorn the the uh, the Instagram candidate. So <laughs> we got, you know, sort of shots yeah. fired early here. And then, of course, 
Madison Cawthorn, the the one that everybody knows about. We can certainly talk about the decision he made if you'd like, but Cawthorn is still in there raising money and spending his money um, uh, on a minute-by-minute basis. Well, we'll talk in a minute about the the challenge, uh, potential challenge, which we anticipate will be filed today uh, in regard to Cawthorn's candidacy. But uh, among those who had previously announced, I, I think you were indicating probably Ken, Kim McKim. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So Ken McKim. Yeah, absolutely. So Ken McKim was somebody who had uh, declared he had participated in a debate earlier out in Macon County. And Ken McKim has evidently pulled out and put his support behind Michelle Woodhouse. So that's sort of one candidate gone from the initial list put his support behind Michelle Woodhouse going forward, which is which is be interesting to watch. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to point out that when Cawthorn exited the race um, shortly after the first redistricting uh, maps came out, uh, he had at that time three Republican challengers, Rod Honeycutt, Wendy Navarez, and Bruce O'Connell. Um, after he jumped out, that's when Matthew Burrell, Michelle Woodhouse, and Chuck Edwards uh, got in the race. And at least at this point, they're all still in the race and they're not leaving, even though Cawthorn has indicated, or not indicated, he in fact has filed, uh, that he's going to run in the 11th. So looking at the primary, which is May 7th, right? I think that's right. Um, Not a lot of time. No. And each of the candidates in the race, to some extent, have their own niche uh, in which they're going to try and garner, what do we guess, 100,000 people vote in the primary, maybe? Yeah, probably. In the Republican right. primary. Yeah. Um, Rod Honeycutt's been doing his boots on the ground to mm-hmm. You know, hitting a lot of volunteer fire departments and, and the like. <clears throat> Bruce O'Connell, as you indicated, has loaned his campaign a million dollars. Now, what's Bruce going to do with that million dollars? Nobody's real real sure, but cash on hand, mm-hmm. he's ahead in the game. Um, what's Matthew Burrell's pathway? You know, I think he's going to try to portray himself as the business-friendly candidate, as the one who understands finance, as the one who's been around the block in the private sector, um, as the sort of the experienced businessman in the field, I think will be his sort of path or his lane, if you will. And, And it looks like Chuck Edwards, in some respects, is trying to put feet in both both sides, the establishment side, mm-hmm. but also in the Trump camp. He was at CPAC, you know, That's right. has been touting many of the same issues that, that Trump has uh, articulated or attempted to articulate over over the years. Um, and Michelle Woodhouse, is her, her pathway that of, uh, I'm, I'm, the, the true believer in, in MAGA world and in Trump world? I think that's right. Um, I think that it's interesting to watch a language sort of shift from, from MAGA world, as you said, or MAGA world, to America first. That seems yeah. to be the kind of tag, the, the phrasing that people are using now, and she is absolutely on board with that. She is trying to say she is the America first candidate, 
And for a while, it appeared that, you know, she wouldn't obviously go after Madison Cawthorn. But at this point, the the shots have been fired. She's willing to go after Cawthorn. I think the pitch there will be to, you know, portray him as somebody with, with flash without substance and somebody who left the district where she was in here fighting, I think, will be her pitch. So what's Donald Trump going to do in this race? <laughs> <laughs> this is a great question. I mean, my guess would be that that Trump is going to come out for Cawthorn, right? I mean, um, if you believe Cawthorn, um, they've got almost a, a father-son kind of relationship, <laughs> right? That Cawthorn yeah. is down there all the time at Mar-a-Lago. Um, I would imagine Trump will get into this race. I imagine he will uh, at least make a statement, if not a visit. I'm very interested to see how much Cawthorn mixes it up with these candidates. For example, there are debates that are being scheduled throughout the region. My understanding is the vast majority of these candidates had agreed to participate. Is Madison Cawthorn going to agree to be on an eight or nine person stage with these candidates? Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about Wendy Navarez, who last weekend went to Washington, D.C., uh, to participate in the Principles First Conference or Forum. And that really is a national organization that uh, has many of the, the former Republicans or uh, current Republicans but anti-Trump uh, individuals uh, as part of their, their organization. Uh, she posted a picture on Twitter with Adam Kinzinger and caught a little flack from one of the 11th District uh, Party officials. Can she, maybe will she, decide that that's her only pathway uh, to winning a primary is to try and carve out the anti-Trump, anti-Cawthorn block of voters in the primary and let all the others split the rest? I think so. I think that's her strategy. And my sense is that's her center as well. I mean, I, I take her at a word that she believes this in the same way that I take Michelle Woodhouse at a word that she believes, well, kind of the opposite of that. So I think strategically, that's the only way for Navarez to go. And I think it does tend to align with uh, with her beliefs. Now, she's got a fundraising deficit against these other folks that is going to be really, really hard to break. And so right now, I, I don't have a good sense of how much her word is escaping the kind of political class. In other words, you know, if you kind of grab your average person in um, in Silva off the street or in Bryson City or in Hendersonville, do they know who Wendy Navarez is and can they differentiate her from these candidates? And the only way you really do that is with a lot of money when you don't have a lot of time. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Um, all right, so before we turn to the, the Democrats, mm -hmm. uh, we have a 30% threshold uh, in the first primary. You, you got to win the primary and get at least 30%. Can Cawthorn do it? He can. I'm not convinced that he will. And I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, for one thing, just to step back, the, the geeky political scientist in me has to say, right, we used to have a 40% threshold. We chose to move it to a 30% threshold. It's also notable that in most states in this country, they don't have a threshold at all. So this really is a kind of a historical legacy of the one-party South. So moving off my geeky soapbox and back to your actual question here, Judge, um, you know, I think that is going to be the line in the sand. And right now, if I had to bet, I'd bet he is close to 30%. I don't know whether he's going to get past it or not. 
But we've seen, we have a history of this in the 11th. So Madison Cawthorn, of course, lost his first primary, but the winner did not break the 30% threshold. That's why we have Madison Cawthorn in office today. And even Mark Meadows, now granted back when it was a 40% threshold, but Mark Meadows won his first primary, did not make that mark, and also had to go to a runoff. So we're used to runoffs in the 11th, and I think we might see one again. Well, particularly if we have seven or eight candidates in the primary. So, uh, uh, you know, the pie gets sliced up, and the question is, can you get a a big enough slice of the pie? Um, And it will be interesting. I haven't seen any polling numbers. I don't know whether uh, you have. Uh, I I would really think it would behoove some of these candidates to invest some money in in trying to get a sense of where everybody stands right now. I agree. I wonder if some have, and the fact that they're not putting that out there tells us something about the results that they're finding. You know, I think it's also notable polls will start to leak out. So I think folks should remember the only polls that leak out are the ones that tend to look pretty good for that candidate. (laughs) And I think the other thing to remember is, there's a whole heck of a lot of unaffiliateds in this district, more than there are Democrats or Republicans. And so it's really hard to model the primary electorate. General election electorate's pretty easy to figure out, frankly, but polling on a primary is notoriously difficult. So kind of take those with not just a grain of salt, but maybe a full shaker. Well, the last wild card in the primary, <clears throat> other than the fact that we're still waiting on the U.S. Supreme Court to <laughs> rule on the Republican petition to block these maps and go back to the maps that uh, the legislature had redrawn, which would only throw an added dose of chaos <laughs> into everything we're talking about, um, is the challenge to Madison Cawthorn's qualifications to run for public office based upon the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which says anybody who's taken an oath to support the Constitution and then engages in or aids and supports an insurrection or rebellion against those constitutional authorities is disqualified from office. And this was originally filed, the challenge was originally filed in what was then the 13th district, uh, because that's where Cawthorn uh, had filed. Um, it, it is being refiled as we speak uh, with the State Board of Elections on the, um, uh, on the basis of Cawthorn's candidacy in the 11th district. So new challengers, but, but the same theory. Any sense? I mean, is this going to help Cawthorn, or uh, are, are we are we doing him a favor by the challenge? And you know, for the record, again, uh, I'm one of the uh, local attorneys involved in this litigation. So, uh, you know, I I don't think they're doing him a favor. I think he will certainly try to portray it that way, right? I mean, he is and and already has tried to portray himself as a victim with this and used it as an opportunity to raise money. And I think from that perspective, it's going to be helpful. He's going to raise a lot of money. I will say raising money was never really Madison Cawthorn's problem though. So, so, you know, yes, he'll get a pop out of this. I don't know that that pop is going to be that important to me. And I realize the irony of talking to you about this, but uh, I see sort of two goals with this, um, with this one is obviously stopping him from running for office. The, the, the legal, you know, issue at, at hand here. And the other is, of course, to get him to testify under oath and to testify under oath about what happened January 6th, the sort of rhetorical goal, if you will. And I think it is very possible that even if the legal goal isn't met, 
that the rhetorical goal could be very successful. Time will tell, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's turn to the Democrats yeah. who have not had anywhere near the drama of the Republican uh, primary field. But based upon what you're hearing and who's filed, who hasn't filed as of today, things may be shaping up very differently than from when we talked last time. Yeah, that's right. So first, let's let's take the things that are that are the same. So Jasmine Beach Ferrara continues to, from every indication we have, um, have no problem raising money. I mean, we're in a, you know, R plus ten district, give or take. I mean, she's been able to raise already over a million dollars. I mean, this is this is a whole lot of money for a race that on paper shouldn't be that competitive. So clearly, she's been able to kind of break through the you know kind of the, the fundraising. Uh, fray, if you will. Bo Hess is also in and has filed, right? He's the social worker. Uh, Katie Dean, who's sort of trying to take the the blue collar uh, lane, if you mm-hmm. will, um, you know, kind of scrappy, younger uh, candidate. She's in as well. Um, so those are remaining constant. The question marks that I, I think are pretty interesting, uh, Jay Carey, who is somebody who, um, you know, had been in really from the beginning has not yet filed. Now he may by the time this airs, but yeah. he has not filed as of Wednesday at 10 or uh, 1040 in the morning. Um, but the big kind of flashing yellow light, I'll say, is that Eric Gash has not yet filed. Now that might not mean anything. That could mean that it takes a couple of days to, to get over to Raleigh and get this thing done. Because yeah, he actually had filed er- early, you know, when the filing first opened in what was then the 14th. That's right. So, so we know he's not going to run in the 14th. No, yeah. no. Well, yeah. we should yeah. never say we know in this district. But no, I, I think you're right. He's not going to run in the 14th against uh, against Jeff Jackson. But um, but he has not refiled for the 11th congressional district. So, you know, again, one thing that could mean, eh, it just takes him a couple of days to get down there. Maybe he thinks there's some strategy or maybe he's rethinking something. So that's something for folks just to keep an eye on because Eric Gash was, I think, generally considered one of the top two candidates. It was, you know, I think most folks sort of felt like Jasmine Beach Ferrara was the the soft front runner, if you right. will, with Eric Gash kind of right there um, with her. And so I'm I'm very curious to see what he does in the next two days. And the wild card, uh, Josh Remillard, who right. originally was going to run in the 11th, uh, had a very compelling ad about his rucksack and military service, but his target was clearly Madison Cawthorn. So when Cawthorn Jumped to the 13th. Josh says, I'm taking my rucksack and I'm going after him. Well, now Madison <laughs> is back in the 11th. Do, right. Does Josh come back or what are, what are you hearing? You know, I, I doubt it. Um, I, but it, it's hard for me to imagine really what he does next because he has, for good or ill, made his campaign about fighting Cawthorn. And so, uh, yeah, he if he follows Cawthorn back again to the... 11th, he's going to be facing a pretty crowded Democratic field who has also been fighting Madison Cawthorn, but raising, frankly, a lot more money in doing so. He did, as you said, a very compelling ad. I think him and the Charles Graham ad are probably the two most compelling ads so far Mm -hmm. of this political season in North Carolina. Um, But, you know, I, I would be a bit surprised if he came back to run on the 11th, but we'll know in two days. Well, Hard to imagine him running anywhere other than the 11th if Cawthorn's not 
in that district. So, 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 if, so if he's in the 11th, and if he's going to continue this quest against Cawthorn, he essentially has to run in the 11th. That's right. I, I cannot imagine him running in, well, the number the one that's numbered 13 or the 10th, which used to be the 13th. I know it's confusing, but the point is no matter where he runs, the only place for Congress that it would make sense for him to run is in the 11th. Now, whether any of these folks decide that they want to run for another office, you know, again, we'll know in two days. All right. Uh, So as the democratic primary now stands, uh, the, the question is, can anybody force Jasmine Beach Ferrara into a runoff? Mm-hmm. You know, with a bigger field, I think it was more likely. If, if Eric Gash gets in, you know, I, I think it's more possible. If, if the field stays as it is today, not only is Jasmine Beach Ferrara going to be the front runner, she's going to be the front runner to win it cleanly. In other words, not to force a second primary or runoff. Now, things can happen. Uh, if you'd asked me before the election, and people did, what I thought about Madison Cawthorn's chances the first time, I would not have thought he'd be our member of Congress. Things can happen. But right now, Jasmine Beach Ferrara is the front runner. I think she's the front runner to take it cleanly in one election, especially if Eric Gash stays out. All right, so here's the ultimate wild, wild card. If it's a Jasmine Beach Ferrara, Madison Cawthorn general election, does the libertarian candidate, David Coatney, I believe, right. David Coatney, um, play spoiler for somebody? Is he, is he, you know, it's hard to think of a libertarian as being the centrist between the progressive left and the hard right, but... He would be the only option other than not voting or writing somebody in for the uh, electorate in the 11th. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting. So, look, most things on Twitter aren't that useful, but every now and again, there's a little nugget that is useful. And so one I thought came across yesterday, Sean Haw, who folks may be familiar with, who, of course, has run as a libertarian mm-hmm. statewide before, had, again, pretty pretty good kind of YouTube ads. Um he had sort of tweeted out that the 11th congressional district was a great place to run as a libertarian. And, and I think it's exactly the strategy that you're talking about that, look, if, if folks think that Jasmine Beach Ferrara is the Asheville leftist, and if they think that Madison Cawthorn abandoned them and they're looking for another choice, then it makes sense that, you know, maybe not the plurality, but that a sizable number might turn to a David Coatney. And if they do, even though he's very unlikely to win, he could still ultimately determine who does win. I think that also, look, on paper, this is a very Republican district. But, you know, how does what's the path for Jasmine Beach Ferrara? Frankly, I think for her, it is to have David Coatney be in and to have Madison Cawthorn be in and to have Coatney take a lot of Cawthorn's true conservative voters. Well... <laughs> You know, you and I are going to have a lot to talk yes. about between, <laughs> between now and May, between May and November. Uh, uh, I thought this would be an interesting podcast when I started it. I, I had no idea it was going to have this many twists and turns. Um, uh, Dr. Chris Cooper, I know you're headed to a big conference in Charleston, the 
uh, give us a plug. The yeah, Citadel. sure. It's the yeah. Citadel Symposium on Southern Politics. So um, North Carolina Politics folks that'll listen, uh, our buddy Mike Bitzer will be down there, and South Carolina Politics folks, uh, our buddy Scott Huffman from Winthrop will be down there. So you can see a few of those names. That sounds great. And I'll, I'll put a pitch in for our good friend Tim Boyum's podcast, Tying It Together. Uh, he's going to be interviewing you and me uh, in Silva next week. Talking about what else? <laughs> the 11th Congressional District. That's right. Uh, and Tim does a fantastic job. I, I think North Carolina is so fortunate to have him as um, a reporter and and journalist. Uh, you know, yeah, and story. And, yeah, he's a great yeah, storyteller. Story, yeah, yeah. So uh, that will be fun. Well, travel safely to Charleston. Thanks. And thank you again. And. Who knows what will happen between now and the next time we talk. It'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's it, folks, for the battle for NC11. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope you will check out our website. It is a working project with all the changes, but you can find that at www.thebattleforenc11.com. You can also find this podcast on your favorite platforms around the world, wherever. It should be another interesting week by the time we do our next podcast. Hopefully, things will have settled down. We'll know the players for the primary, and we'll be off and running. So, thanks for listening. Thanks to my patient wife for continuing to try and pull the website together. Thanks to Mark Maximoff, my extraordinary producer, the Dean of the Durham Audio Community. And that's a wrap for the battle for NC11. Stay safe.